Hey folks, I'm in an interesting place this evening. It is 10 p.m. I'm off of Clinton Road here in West Milford, New Jersey. So you might be wondering why the heck am I off of Clinton Road in the pitch dark? Well, it has to do with ghosts. So back around 1980, only about 10% of Americans believed in ghosts. In more recent polling, north of 40, and dare I say north of 45% in some polling of Americans indicate belief in ghosts. And Clinton Road, it turns out, has a very interesting legend when it comes to ghosts. There's a belief that there was a ghost boy, a boy who was killed by a passing car. And the belief is that if I throw coins into the body of water below, that the ghost boy will throw the coins back at me. Shall we do it? Let's do it. That's one coin. That's two coins. That's two coins that I've just thrown in there. And you know what? I'm a believer in luck, so let's toss a third coin for good luck and see if the coins come back. Shalom, folks. I'm Harry Anton, and this is Margins of Error, where I bring numbers to life with stories about how we live, work, sleep, and yes, even die. The reason I like stats and numbers is pretty simple. First, I get them. Second, I'm able to relay the truth through numbers. And third, even if I don't like the result of what I'm finding, I know the numbers are the numbers, no matter what my opinion of them may be. Today, we're looking at ghost belief. Believe it or not, it's quadrupled in the last 40 years, which surprises me. So I wanted to find out why. When I brought up the idea of ghosts in this particular episode, you lit up. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Absolutely. 100%. That's Chase Masters. She's a friend and colleague of mine at CNN. In my mind, there's no reason not to. It's not so much as, like, why do I believe in them? But I don't understand why people don't as much. I don't know. You're a numbers guy, right? So you're, like, always in the thick of data, like, facts. And with ghosts, it's not as much hard and fast data as much as it is a feeling or almost like a faith. Even if you think for sure definitively there's nothing there, that is your faith that there is nothing there. Faith aside, I'm curious why ghost belief is on the rise. Why do more and more people believe in ghosts and spirits? Whenever there is a sort of global upheaval, something that affects society on a massive level, we seem to see these rises of paranormal belief. That's Lisa Morton. She's the author of Ghosts, A Haunted History. National opinion polling didn't really start until the mid-1930s, so the information we have before them isn't often as clear. But people have been tracking the belief in ghosts since around the mid-19th century. In the mid-19th century, everything was changing. The UK and the US both in particular were moving from a sort of agrarian society to industrialized society. Everything from science to philosophy was shifting. And a lot of people felt kind of untethered by that. And it's not hard to make the same mental leap to today. That was kind of one of the reasons that I thought at the beginning of the pandemic, we're going to see a big bump in this again, 
one of the things that these wars, especially the Civil War and the First World War, had in common with the pandemic is that not only were people losing their loved ones in record numbers, they often didn't know if they had lost them. They didn't have that chance to say goodbye to someone. They didn't know quite often, especially during the Civil War, if their brother or husband or son was dead or was alive in a prisoner camp or was trying to come back home. You can understand, I think, how a medium coming along during a time like that and saying, oh, I can put you in touch with them would be very appealing. So we're searching for answers, not finding them, and we're turning to what seems like an easy answer. I I think it all comes down to our desperate need to believe that there is something bigger than ourselves, that we go on after death and offer some sort of comfort to our loved ones. And the belief in ghosts goes back thousands of years. In classical antiquity, people believed that the deceased came back as ghosts because there was something that needed to be corrected, like not having a proper burial or a person who murdered them hadn't been caught. By the time we get to the 19th century, it's interesting to me that it's less about a ghost returning to have something corrected from their previous life than it is about the ghost is now being summoned and is expected to come at the command of this medium. And now we get back to that point, I think, in the 20th and 21st century, where because of the rise of horror fiction, and mass medium and so forth, we now think that the ghost is usually much more aggressive and violent. I think part of it is because we now have come to believe that what or who might survive as a ghost is the worst part of someone or someone who was not a good person. What is your definition of a ghost exactly? The standard definition in in the field of religious studies is that it is a metaphysical entity that was originally tied to a corporal body. And so some people see that as a soul persisting. Some people see that as some type of spirit. That's Justin McDaniel, a University of Pennsylvania professor in the Department of Religious Studies. He's one of the founders of the Penn Ghost Project, which brings together a diverse group of scholars to research this topic. Mediums in the West generally talk about it as there's a general large spirit and that there's entities that manifest out of that. We find that concept in Hinduism, too, of gods and avatars. Avatars aren't ghosts and gods aren't ghosts, of course, but that they come out of a general energy in the universe. It's anything that, in a sense, was once connected to the physical. That's what makes a ghost different from, say, an angel or a fairy or uh, something like that. It's kind of funny to think about the definition and motives of ghosts and how they've changed across time. One thing that has definitely changed about the living is how religious we are. According to the General Social Survey, the percentage of Americans who are unaffiliated with a major religion has risen from just 7% 40 years ago to closer to 25% today. I was curious to see if Justin could explain why ghost belief has gone up, even though religiosity has gone down. Well, two things. First, it matters what we mean by religiosity. When we do statistics, it matters, you know, what we're asking. Attendance of institutionalized formal meetings. 
Catholic Mass, for example, synagogue attendance, things like this. Those are going down, absolutely. But interest in religion and interest in spirituality, the purchase of books, for example, about religion, podcasts about religion, interest in psychics and anything to do with the afterlife and personal belief about that is going up. So it's the institutions that seem to be going down, but the personal interest is, is just as high, if not higher. Justin's right. While just 56% of Americans believe in the God of the Bible, 90% of Americans believe in some kind of spiritual force. Yes, fewer and fewer of us attend religious services, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're less spiritual. In fact, people who attend religious services infrequently are more than twice as likely to say they've seen a ghost as those who attend religious services at least weekly. But what I find kind of mind-boggling is that polling shows even some atheists believe in spirits. I would assume that people who question religious belief would apply the same skepticism to paranormal belief. Turns out, it's not that simple. Well, I think a lot of that, especially with atheists, is that, you know, that there is a questioning of authority, right? Is that I don't want to believe in anything that would control me, that it would, I would feel intellectually stultified or infantilized, or I would feel exploited economically or politically. I choose this belief. You know, there's this kind of firm sense that, okay, well, if I'm choosing this belief and I don't feel somebody's making me believe that, then I'm comfortable with it. As I noted earlier, the percentage of Americans without a religious affiliation has grown significantly in the last 40 years. Another potentially important variable that's grown in the last 40 years is the Internet. The rise of the Internet has been shown to make people become less traditionally religious. At the same time, the Internet has made researching the paranormal much easier. Those who use the Internet for that purpose are twice as likely to believe in ghosts, according to a 2005 Baylor religion poll. The Internet kind of makes it safe is that I can connect with all of these people that have these beliefs. And so people, once you get used to talking about it openly there, then you get more used to come to, OK, well, I've talked about this three times with three separate people and none of them have called me crazy. And so now I'm a little bit more comfortable to talk about it, whereas 30, 40 years ago, it would still be I'm not sure if there's many people like me. So the Internet may have made it safe for us to come out as ghost believers. But what about meeting a ghost up close and personal? And what's the one piece of pop culture that has deeply influenced how we locate and interact with ghosts today? That's up next. But first, here's a fun little tidbit about the Ouija board that you might not know about. One of the things I find interesting is that after World War One, we see the huge rise in use of the Ouija board as a device to communicate with spirits. Before that, it was a parlor game. It was patented as a parlor game. There is no mention in the original patent about using this to communicate with spirits. And it becomes so popular after World War I because now anyone who has lost a son or a daughter or a loved one in this terrible war can sit in the comfort of their own living room and use this device to try and communicate with them. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. 
your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I've never had an experience with a ghost before recording this episode, but I kind of wish that I had. Some of my friends had a Ouija board growing up, and to tell you the truth, I always wanted to try one. If I had, I might have made a connection that would have turned me into a believer. Not only do more people believe in ghosts, but one in four people report having personally experienced a paranormal event. With a ghost, yeah, most people who believe in them have had some experience with them. And I, I'm amazed by some of the experiences that I've had where I've been on one of these overnight paranormal investigations and you're buried deep in the bowels of some old building or a ship and it's three in the morning and things are creaking and it's it's a spooky situation anyways. And then the guy next to you who is a friend of yours suddenly says something is touching me. Now I absolutely believe that he is experiencing that. I'm sitting six inches from him and I'm not getting anything. So at this point, you either have to believe in ghosts or you have to think maybe he's wired differently from me. There has been a little bit of research done into the way, for example, certain electromagnetic radiations affect the human brain. And, and it's entirely possible that this does fire off hallucinations in some people. That's one of the reasons I'm also not a complete skeptic is I have no doubt whatsoever that people who say they have seen a ghost really believe they have seen a ghost. What I am not so sure about is if they've seen the spirit of a dead person. According to Lisa, there's one other factor that we can't discount that's not only contributed to higher ghost belief, but also the way we locate and identify ghosts. One of the most interesting sort of cultural spillover moments for me is Ghostbusters. And if you look at Ghostbusters, these guys in the movie are holding these things that they're calling PKE meters. Nobody was doing stuff like that in real life before Ghostbusters. And since Ghostbusters, everyone wants to hold a K2 meter when they go on a paranormal investigation. And even though there is very little data to support that the K2 meters are coming up with anything, it's cool to hold one. You feel like one of the Ghostbusters. What happened? Are you okay? He slimed me. That's great. Actual physical contact. Can you move? Interestingly enough, that time frame actually works really well because it was in the late 70s, only about a tenth 
of the American adults believed in ghosts. And then sort of Ghostbusters comes out around that time. And it certainly may, we can't really test it necessarily, but it certainly lines up with the idea that, hey, we see this on the screen. It looks pretty real. It looks pretty cool. Why the heck not? You sort of can test it just because if you go out and look at the number of paranormal investigator stars, and there certainly are stars in this field, many of them will refer back to Ghostbusters as being a huge influence on them. There you go. I guess you can sort of, we can (laughs) test it qualitatively. We can't put necessarily a poll on it per se, but at least in the people who are so prominent in the field, it seems to have played some sort of major role. Lisa thinks that modern mass media has a lot to do with higher belief in spirits and ghosts, especially the explosion of reality television in the early 2000s. Suddenly, there were tons of paranormal investigation shows on TV, as well as many amateur ghost hunters around the world. Part of the lure of ghost belief is that, to be honest, it looks like a heck of a lot of fun. Nowadays, the seance presents to us a kind of spookier form of fun, I think, but it is still fun. It is still a chance to gather with your friends. You're in the dark. You may be touching. You're calling out the spirits. If we look at that other side of it, which is the paranormal investigation, you're getting much that same sensation. And most of the paranormal investigators I know will tell you that they don't encounter much on most of their hunts. But it's a really fun thing to do regardless of that. Another factor that might be meaningful is that at the same time there's been an increase in ghost belief, there's been a similar increase in people who say they have fewer close friends. The percentage of Americans who report having less than five close friends has risen to 60% in 2021 from just 35% in 1990. And the percentage of people who say they have no close friends at all is up from 3% to 12%. Are ghosts a proxy for our missing relationships? Or maybe we become so attached to the few people we're close to in life that we just can't let them go when they die. I certainly would go along with that, but during the pandemic, there's an extra element to that, which was that people were not only isolated and alone, they were isolated in their houses. And I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, I never spent this much time in my house. And suddenly I'm aware of every creak and the house is making sounds that I never paid attention to before. And I start wondering what's going on with my house. So I certainly think that that may have contributed to this rise of ghost belief as well. Now you may be acquiring this belief that there is something bigger than you. So that actually can be a real form of comfort and solace that even if you are very isolated and lonely, you can start to think, but I'm part of this bigger thing. So Lisa mentioned earlier that she's not a complete skeptic. But what about Justin? I think it's better to believe. It's better to keep your mind open. I think that's important. You know, we have a healthy skepticism, but also a healthy skepticism of your own disbelief. 
Oh, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of times we don't have that. I always have to reserve at least 1% of my mind saying, you know what, the thing that I think is crazy or the thing I think is wrong or even the thing I abhor could be true. Mm. And that person might see me as that 1%. Mm. And that how are we supposed to get together if I'm always saying that I know I'm right? So what if we both just lessen even just 1%? You know what I mean? Like soften the edges a bit and say, you know what? I have to grant you your humanity. I have to grant you that you truly believe in something and truly acting on it. And that is coming from someplace. And then perhaps we can find that we might not come from that different of a place. I think that's a nice way of not just looking at belief in ghosts and religion, but a belief in society. That if we give a little bit or at least acknowledge that the other side may be right, uh, we can get along a lot better. Granting each other our humanity, I can get behind that message, especially given where we are in the world right now. My friend Chase from earlier, she agrees. There's a lot right now that nobody really has answers to, and we're all just kind of searching. Everyone has been knocked down and needs some type of hope or some type of answers that we just don't have. We've been in the cycle of, oh, my God, we're in a pandemic. Oh, we're kind of out. Oh, no, we're not. And it's just waves and waves. And so I think people are kind of at this point where it's just, who knows? Anything could happen next. Anything could be real. Ghosts could happen. Faith is an interesting thing. In case it isn't clear, I'm honestly not the biggest believer in anything. It's not that I'm militant in my thoughts on the supernatural. It's just that even though I'm Jewish, I don't give a lot of thought to God or the supernatural in my everyday life. Yet, I will admit that it would be nice to believe that it could be possible for my father to come and visit me every once in a while. I was drawn into this topic because I just couldn't believe my eyes and ears when I heard that ghost belief was on the rise in this country to such a significant degree. It turns out that even though I study stats for a living, I wasn't picking up on something that clearly a lot of you feel. Maybe as Chase told me, the ghosts don't visit me because I don't believe in them. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what you believe. But if we ever find ourselves standing together late at night in some abandoned old building and a disembodied head floats by, perhaps you can just keep that one to yourself. And if you're curious about those coins from earlier, we've now been standing off of Clinton Road for, I'd say, about 12 minutes or so. I'm not timing it exactly, though, again, It's pitch black here. There are no lights except for the moon and some fireflies. And so far, I am perhaps saddened to report that no coin has been thrown back at us by the ghost boy. I should point out that I am not the only one who has tried this exercise. Because as I look down and I shine a little flashlight, I can see that there are a ton of coins in the body of water below indicative of the fact that other folks have tried the same exact exercise and at least a number of them haven't had the coins thrown back at them. Margins of Error is a production of CNN Audio and Magnificent Noise. It's produced by Sabrina Farhi, Eva Walchover, Jesse Baker, Megan Marcus, and Ashley Lusk, with support from Lindsay Abrams and Alexander McCall. Our sound designer is Kristen Muller, Our executive producer is Eric Newsom. And me? Well, I'm Harry Anton.
Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.